Hey y'all, welcome to Cross Politic. Thank you for joining us. We have a special guest on the show today, Chad Robichaud. <laughs> I don't know that's how you say it. I'm pretty sure. How do we uh, show Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, Waterboy. Uh, for you guys who are joining the club this month, we're working on we had we had kind of a issue with our glasses. So be patient. So we're getting new ones? We're, we're getting laser engraved lines. So join now. So so, so join now. I guess they're turning to post mail. They're, they're, they're even getting better. Um, th- it was a bad shipment. And so anyways, All right. I apologize for the pints not coming out yet. Chad Robichaud is the president and founder of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, a leading military nonprofit that serves U.S. military active duty and veteran communities with highly successful peer-to-peer faith-based combat trauma programs Amen. and combat resiliency conferences. Chad and his team are dedicated to helping America's military warriors and their families suffering from the unseen wounds of combat, such as post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chad's a former Special Operations Force Recon Marine, DOD contractor with eight deployments to Afghanistan as part of a a joint Special Operations Command Task Force. He earned an MBA and is a board-certified pastoral counselor with a focus on PTSD Chad and his wife, Kathy, have been married for 21 years. Amen. Have three children. Uh, Are they Mm. baptized? (laughs) <laughs> you didn't Wait, is the question? That's yeah, a question. That's a question. Yes, yes we are. Yes. Amen. All right. How about that? Amen. <laughs> Outside his work with veterans, Chad and his sons train, and he teaches Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He's a bad dude. He's a third-degree black belt and a former pro MMA world champion. Chad, thanks for being on Cross Politic. Thanks, man. Thank you. Man, I'm glad we're best friends. You know? <laughs> See after this interview, we, 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 we don't know that yet. <laughs> I'm just naming it and claiming it from the beginning. <laughs> so, uh, Chad, um, uh, please fill us in. What what's your about your military experience? Your experience with PTSD and why you started Mighty Oaks? Well, I, I, I started Mighty Oaks because of the first question. Uh, I, I came home like many of our warriors uh, after my eighth deployment. I was diagnosed with PTSD. Something I never saw coming. It it didn't start off. Uh, you know, I look back and it started off with just just being, you know, in this environment where I felt like I was just frustrated, angry, and intense, you know, because of, you know, the the things I've seen and experienced in Afghanistan. It built this frustration and intensity inside of me that I wasn't able to turn on and off when I came home. You know, it's like come being in Afghanistan, you know, doing the job that I needed to do there, come home 24 hours later, I'm trying to be a husband and father and, you know, throwing temper tantrums around the house, screaming at my kids, breaking things, throwing things, just mm. being a, mm. you know, not a good dad. And then, and then uh, over time, these physiological symptoms start to manifest uh, where my arms would go numb, my face would go numb, I feel like my throat was swelling shut. And then I didn't address it. I, I tried to hide it because I didn't want people to think that I was you know, weak, the guys I worked with, and not be able to do my job anymore. Right. And so at last deployment, you know, I had uh, this moment where I almost uh, – you know, I, I woke up, I have like this fog and I couldn't remember things and I realized I was putting other people in danger uh, by not speaking up. And so when I did uh, speak up, I was brought home and uh, received this diagnosis. I was in a, a uh, kind of a very, uh, kind of two things. It was one, I was completely ashamed. I felt like I failed at my job and uh, I felt like uh, I failed my mission. Yeah. And then secondly, I, I, I was in a state of panic. I mean, I, the, the level of distress I was in was, if you were, the only way I know to describe it is like you were handcuffed a, a drain on the bottom of the swimming pool and you're drowning mm. you see the surface of the water and you just want air so bad but you just never die uh-huh. like just constant 24 hours state of panic that I, that I was in and and uh i didn't like the pills i didn't like the counseling i didn't like any mm. of those treatments and 
and uh, I dove on the mats to train in jiu-jitsu because it was a place that I could hide. And uh, but I hid there and never got well. Like people can, you know, people drive diving about alcohol or drugs, and sure. that's where I, I found my my place to hide. And and so I spent about three years of my life amassing professional success in that sport, and you know, winning a world title and and uh, building a record of eighteen and two and fighting on all the big big shows, pay per view and Showtime and NBC and all this, you know, outlets. And meanwhile, my life was my personal life was just continuing a downward trajectory that ended almost ended in divorce. Yeah. Yeah. Separation from my family. You know, we separated and, uh, in a battle with my, me taking my own life, I, uh, came to this moment where I thought, you know, family, my family would be sad without me, but they'll be better off. And, uh, uh. unfortunately, uh, you know, that hopeless thought finds a home in the hearts of about 20 plus veterans every day. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I made this decision that I was to take my life. I would, I thought I would sit in my closet with my, family's pictures on the floor and a pistol in my hand. I had a Glock 22 pistol and I put it to my mouth and to my head. And, and, uh, it what kept me from making that final decision. I, I don't know to this day if I had the courage to do it because it didn't, but it would have believe kept me from making a decision was knowing that my son Hunter, mm. who's uh he's our third, third generation Marine in our family. He's in Afghanistan right now, but oh. he was the oldest and, uh, he had the only key to my apartment. And so I was, uh, I thought, you know, he would be the one that would, uh, either find me or let someone in. And I just couldn't, I think that was the one thing that just made me pop the brakes and think I can't let my kid find me this way. And, uh, mm-hmm. we were, you know, we had such a close relationship. Uh, one of these moments, my wife knocked at my door. I'm, I'm uh, you know, trying to build up the courage to, to do this. And I, I hid the gun, answered the door. We got in this argument and she asked me a question that radically changed my life. She'd asked me how I could, uh, do everything I did as a recon Marine, as an MMA fighter, like the disciplines that took to do, be successful in life. Like how could I do all those things? And when it came to my family, that I'll quit. And, uh, and that question just radically impacted me. Cause that's a good uh, wife probably, right there, man. That's a good question. Well, <laughs> she, she, she knew me. She knew why the buttons and uh, there's no more cool words to me than to be called a quitter. And, uh, I don't think she anticipated the reaction I'd have, but, uh, mm. in that moment I, I knew that I needed to, uh, get back in the fight. I didn't know how, cause I'd really built a system in my life that no accountability. I'd, Surrounded myself with people that told me everything I wanted to hear. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, not what I needed to hear as an athlete. When you have successes like that, and you're fighting on television and stuff. It's pretty easy to build that kind of environment in your life. Yeah. Yep. And so I had no accountability. It's a real dangerous place. I think the most dangerous place on the planet you can be. Not Iraq and Afghanistan, but <laughs> in, in the in the, in this world as a man with no accountability. And Ooh, wow, that's yep. where I was. And you know, she asked me this question, and I responded to it uh, internally with, uh, "I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this." I didn't know how to, and but I knew I couldn't do it alone. And so she introduces this man named Steve Toth uh, as a mentor. And, um, you know, Steve uh, challenged me with a second challenge in my life, uh, essentially asking me, you know, if what I was doing in my life was working, then why not try something different? Why not give God a chance? And uh, I had literally, when I met him, I had written a, a, a plan, like a military operational order of how I was going to fix my life. I remember sliding it over to him, first meeting, he slides it over back to me without even reading it and tells me, I'm going to fail because, and, he, and as he tapped in that, I remember being so angry, but as he, <laughs> that he said that, because I was like, who is this jerk? You know, like, <laughs> I, I mean, I look back and I'm thinking like, I was trying to manipulate him to show this to my wife. I didn't want to hear what he had to say. I wanted him to tell my wife I was, you know, yeah. working and he didn't let, he didn't allow me to, to manipulate him. He tapped in that paper. He said, if this thing doesn't have anything to do with your relationship with God, I'm not going to waste your time and I'm not going to let you waste mine. Nice. And you know, I tried everything. I tried the pills, the counseling, the MMA and jiu-jitsu. I had professional success, all these other things that I tried uh, didn't change my situation. So it was one of those moments where, you know, again, back to this question, if what you're doing is working, it's one of our token phrases at Mighty Oaks. If what you're doing isn't working, then why not try something different? 
And so uh, I tried everything else. Why not give God a chance? I surrendered my life to Christ. Uh, didn't really even know what that meant at the time. Sure. I thought I did, but I didn't know it, what it meant to have a personal relationship with Christ and then to intentionally align your life to the life that we were created to live. I didn't have any clue what that meant, but beyond the decision, Steve mentored me for a year through that process. And, and through that, I discovered a lot of things. I think one of the biggest things I discovered was that the incidents in my past, as bad as some of those things may have been, losing friends and, and having the childhood I had and, and, uh, and, and all these things I experienced, those things that lead me to be in that closet with a pistol in my hand would let me there with a choice that made response to those things. And I never lost control of the ability to choose. And as cliche as it may sound, I realized I didn't have to let my past define my future. And yeah. I could choose differently moving forward. And I did. And, uh, and, and through that choice to align my life with the life I believe God created me to live, I found restoration in my family and relationships in my life. found hope uh, for the first time in a long time. Amen. And I found ultimately what I think we seek our whole life, and, and that's purpose. Uh, and, uh, and that purpose was to move forward and share what I discovered with others because um, despite the fact that I believed I was the only one that was dealing with this thing, 20-plus uh, veterans a day were taking their life, 80% divorce rate in our combat veterans. But other people were dealing with this, and now I had the solution. It was for me. It was like if I was dying of cancer, and this guy Steve gave me the cure. I didn't want to share it. I felt obligated to share it. Yeah. And uh, and so my wife and I uh, essentially made a decision to walk away from everything. Our successful business with a thousand students, the height of my MMA career as mm -hmm. an athlete, and uh, and share what we discovered with others through starting Mighty Oaks Foundation. We we had no business doing this, by the way. We, yeah. we were still bleeding as a family. Mm -hmm. We had no idea how to run a nonprofit, <laughs> but we just felt uh, called to do it, and we felt. Uh, despite the fact that we didn't know how or wasn't equipped to, we just knew that in our life at the time, I was still on fire and had such a passion inside of me that I had to be obedient to, to that call. And uh, and I'm thankful that while I didn't know what to do, God certainly had a plan that to unfold. And, you know, we started my Yoke Foundation. To this day, I've uh, been invited to active duty. I speak, I've spoken to over 100,000 active duty troops. We run a free program uh, at uh, four different ranches uh, that one week at a time. They're combat uh, trauma programs that are peer-to-peer faith-based uh, intensives and they're a week long. We do 30 of those a year, free to every veteran, spouse, active duty veteran community, wow. even first responders. We even pay for their travel. Yeah. We've had 2,700 2, graduates, graduates from that program and so I'm so thankful that uh, you know God uh, uh, called me to do this and, and brought the right people along and, and just orchestrated this amazing thing that I, I just get to be a part of now. It's, uh, I would have never imagined. Wow. Um, Praise God. That, that's a great, that's a great, great <laughs> story. Let's wrap up the interview. All right. Let's <laughs> go. I, 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 tried to sum, I tried to summarize it for you guys. Did uh, anybody, anybody give him all of our questions ahead of time or something? What <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Chad, why, why do you think PTSD has become so prominent among our soldiers? Well, I mean, it, it's, it's nothing new. I mean, you know, you know King David. And the Psalms is you know crying out the, the anguish in his heart. Yeah, he's a warrior. And uh, I think I think uh, you know you look back you know throughout history, uh, warriors have struggled uh, with mm. with you, you name it you know combat fatigue, uh, warrior's heart, um, you know all these all these different things that that have been labeled as PTSD in the past. I think while we're seeing it so prominent right now, would be several things. One, we've never been at war for 20 years. We've been at war for 20 years. People, uh, I, I mean, guys that have been on 20 plus deployment. Yeah. I mean, mm. there's, uh, there's, there's something to uh, cumulative stress um, disorder to just continue to be exposed to traumatic events. But I also believe that the, the, uh, 
degrading and watering down a faith in our culture has weakened uh, weakened our culture to yeah. respond to trauma. I mean, um, the, the military has pillars of resiliency, and uh, spiritualized one of them. It's mind, body, spirit, and social. Being mentally tough, physically tough, spiritually strong, which is so watered down, yeah, and yeah. socially connected with a strong network. Yeah. And uh, this is one of the areas I focus in and going to, I'll be at Marine Corps boot camp this weekend, speaking to all the Marine Corps recruits at, 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 in Camp Hill, at, not Camp Hill, in, in the San Diego, uh, 3,800 of them. And I'll be talking to them about spiritual resiliency, defining what that fourth pillar, that spiritual pillar means. Mm-hmm. Because somewhere along the lines, uh, you know, we, we've lost uh, the ability or, or courage to define what spiritual resiliency means, what it means. And, and many young warriors, me included, you know, I remember being in Afghanistan feeling like I had to make a choice between masculinity and Christianity, between yeah. being a warrior and a man yep. of God. Mm. And there's no bigger lie of the enemy than that. And I'll tell you firsthand, oh, there's amen. no one more strong and courageous on the battlefield than men of faith. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and somewhere that, that lie has caught through and people believe that somehow there's weakness in spirituality and does, don't, don't recognize the strength in that. And so right. we can put spiritual resiliency in our warriors uh, we can make combat re- not only combat ready warriors, but combat resilient warriors who continue on in their service and then ultimately transition back to being, you know, uh, fathers and, and mothers and and parents and uh and and uh and friends and eventually civilians again. Yeah. Uh, my my son's in Afghanistan right now as a Marine, and uh, with my experience, it's terrifying. Yeah. So what gives <laughs> me the most peace is knowing that he has such a strong relationship with the Lord. Amen. And, uh, so he's so spiritually resilient. He. He went to Calvary Chapel Bible College for two years before he joined him, uh, went to combat. And, and, uh, and so he just has this, uh, this really strong faith that I didn't have. Yeah. And, uh, and that just gives me a peace to know that he may see and experience things that he shouldn't, but he's going to have the ability to bounce back because of his relationship with God and his faith, understanding who he is and yeah. who he's created to be. <laughs> so, so Chad, to, to me, um, as I try to kind of get my head around PTSD, I kind of look at it as uh, it's um, a, a it, our soldiers experience traumatic events, but don't have a worldview to kind of process and resolve what happened on the battlefield with, um, you know, kind of the ultimate, uh, um, uh, questions, uh, ultimate questions in life, you know? So, so a soldier's out on the battlefield and, and war is happening. Death is happening. His buddy got shot next to him. And, and it's, it's a, uh, you know, especially in our first world country, uh, life, you go to a third world country and you're and blood's all over the place and you're in the battle and, and you got to process this. But we haven't been teaching our kids, you know, who made you? Yeah, there's no worldview for them to live in. Who in made you? Yeah. Uh, how do you deal with evil? How do you resolve the problem of evil in this world? And the only way you can ultimately resolve that problem is in the is in the cross of Christ. Like all evil yeah. is met and dealt with in the cross of Christ. But if you don't have that worldview, what happens is with PTSDs. You see these things, they happen, and then you kind of get log jammed in your mind. You kind of get you kind of get a jam in your mind where you can't you see the evil, but you don't know how to answer that evil in your mind. And so, I think part of it, I think you're right. There's a very spiritual element to what's going on with PTSD, and I think part of it is because we don't we don't trust in Christ. We don't have the solution in Christ that hey, all things will be reconciled in Jesus. Um, and, and right. so, do you do you see? I, I mean, I guess basically my question is. Is do you see part part of the problem why we have such a, a, a epidemic of PTSD is because we aren't pointing these soldiers to Jesus who ultimately resolves all that uh, evil in the world with the cross of Christ? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think you know to answer your question, I think there's there's two lack of perspective worldviews. One is 
culturally we have a lack of perspective of, of what real world is because we live in an American bubble and yeah and uh, yeah, and two is yeah. we, we have a lack of perspective of the spiritual worldview. So both of those are, are damaging to American you know young American kids who you know end up finding themselves in the military in, in a place like Afghanistan or Iraq where they you know let's face it our culture we're American people whether whatever class system you feel like you live in living. We're we're very blessed. We're very very privileged, and Americans are the spoiled rich kids of the world. Yeah, and yeah. so we don't have lots of it. We haven't faced real hardships. So we confuse oh. words like oppression and racism and oh. uh, and and hardships. We confuse those words and and really water down what those words mean. And so when you go to a place like Afghanistan and see it for real, yeah, and you had never been exposed to it for real, and you like, then it then it's shocking uh, yeah, to your yeah. system because you, you thought you knew what oppression was, and then you see it. Yeah. You <laughs> thought you knew what brutality was, and then you see real brutality. Uh, wow. and, and, you know, and, and so these words get tossed around so much in our culture right now. I don't think people really have context to what it means. And so, uh, I mean, it's a great thing to be an American, not exposed to those things, yeah. but it's a bad, it's a bad thing when you have to go somewhere outside of that and see it for the first time and, and, and it's force fed to you. And it's very tough to process that. And the, the second part of that question is a lack of respective spiritual worldview to understand that, yeah, we live in this world and it's real and you can touch it and see it and experience it but you're also part of a very real spiritual world and spiritual warfare as well. Yeah. When you don't, when you don't understand that or can't comprehend that or don't think it's real, then you can't process evil. Uh, the real evil that exists yeah. and evil things that, that occur in this world. I mean, to see things that you see in, in Afghanistan, speaking of repression, like what the Taliban does, does to these people and these women and children and the sexual abuse that you, when you start seeing that firsthand, you're like, how could this happen? Mm. Uh, you know, in, in this world, if there's a God, you know, they just start asking that question. If there is a God, yeah. why would he allow this? To happen, you know, and that, that's, a, that's a question that people that don't understand uh, the spiritual realm, the spiritual world, uh, tend to tend to battle with. And uh, luckily, the Bible has some great answers to those questions. Yeah, and what you guys are doing in Mighty Oaks is helping people find those answers too. That's awesome. I, I, I got one more question. Okay, Can I, I, I want I wanted to turn to the beginning of what we. I did, I did too. That's where I want to go. <laughs> I, so so speaking of American snowflakes, yes. Um, right before we get on here, you were telling us about being censored on YouTube. Uh, what happened? Well, I mean, you hear you hear the work that we're doing in Mighty Oaks, and, and uh, you know, we're not a small organization, and we have a very clear mission to reach the brokenhearted, uh, America's warriors, and so you know, we use. Uh, Facebook, YouTube, uh, all the social media platforms to to reach these people, uh, yeah. plus our supporters. And uh, and so when we, when we any kind of anybody that's advertising that understands advertising knows when you advertise you you target market. Yes. And uh, and so part of uh, target marketing on social media and your ads you use keywords. And so those keywords help you get your message to certain groups of people. And so for us keywords are you know things like veterans, PTSD, suicide, military, Christian. Oh, there's and a problem. So, that's my, and that was my problem. So we've ran the word Christian uh, for years now and uh, as a keyword. In fact, this year alone, we've had 150,000 impressions just with the word key, the keyword Christian. We ran it a few weeks ago. Mm. This Sunday, we ran an ad and we put the keyword Christian and it came back. At, the ad was denied because it, it was an unauthorized keyword. And the unauthorized keyword was Christian. Whoa. And so uh, obviously it bothered us. We called, we called uh, because we... I mean, without we're a Christian organization, how do we reach our demographic? Right. Uh, our target demographic without using that word. Right. Right. So, uh, I mean, it's just, just target marketing one on one. And so we call Google and they say, well, they changed some of the restrictions and algorithms, and uh, and we're not allowed to target religious groups. So, okay, so we ran the word 
we replaced the word Christian. Everything's the same with the word Muslim, and it was approved. Uh, so oh. very, very clear, very clear bias. Oh, uh, there. Well, so uh, yeah, so I, Christian I, I, you know, authorized. I want to bring attention to it. So I, I bring attention to it. I posted on social media. I think I, mean, I posted it yesterday, and I think we had like ten thousand, ten thousand retweets or something like that on on Twitter, or something something yeah, like wow. that right now. So it's mm. uh, it's caught a lot of attention, and uh, and uh, I mean, we want to uh, bring you know bring this to light. This is, I mean, it's like this seems to be drug into a. Like immediately when I say something like that, that sounds like a political topic, right? Right. This, this, is, this is not poli- like we're not a political organization. We're a ministry yeah. trying to serve people, and and everyone just kind of gets categorized and becomes collateral damage to this political debate. Like you should be able to have a conversation and say, "I'm trying to market," and and, and Google and and Facebook can say they're a private company and they have the they're they're a business that makes money off of selling advertisements. And they have testified and publicly announced themselves as a unbiased platform. So I'm a customer buying product from someone, and you're discriminating against me mm-hmm. uh, because I'm a Christian. That that's not okay, and and that should scare every American, uh, whether they're Democrat or Republican or Christian or Muslim. That should terrify everyone. Yeah, this is a dangerous road to go down in our country. Yeah, and. Uh, not qualified. Well, you know what? Yeah, you're not qualified. And you made a mistake there, Chad. You're a Christian business. You're a Christian company. <laughs> yeah. Serving people in a Christian way, and that's the problem. Chad, if we want to support you, we I should have put, put, put Easter worshipers. Let yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everybody be surprised. If we want to if we want to follow you on, on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube and see what you're doing or bless your ministry, how will we do that? Uh, we want to follow me personally, uh, Chad Robo Show or Chad Robo under all my names. I'm on all the social media platforms. Uh, Mighty Oaks Foundation is the way to follow us. Also on social media as a foundation. And uh, if you're a veteran or a spouse or a service member looking for help, our programs, all our programs are free. We even pay for travel. You can register at MightyOaksPrograms.org. If you want to support our efforts and uh, you're okay with us being Christian, and uh, Mighty, Oaks, Mighty Oaks Programs.org We'd love to support as well mm, Chad, thank you so much for being on the show, brother We are praying for you And let us know how this all works out with uh, Facebook and YouTube, YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let us know how that works out We're very interested in that story Listen, if you're single, get married If you're married, have kids And if you have kids, go baptize them Like Chad does Until next week <laughs> Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength Love your neighbor as yourself Go fight, laugh, and feast This is Cross Politics